The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com Welcome, boys and ghouls. It's time once again to kick open the old mausoleum door and see what climbs out. Clawing his way out of a fetid grave is Drew, a.k.a. Rabid Badger. Pull up a slab with Jim Millspaw in his award-winning role as the Professor of Torture, Meathook Jim. Jason Storm is here as fan favorite, gothic commentator, Storm. Do you smell something burning? It must be Salem's favorite old crone, Jonna Summers. <laughs> now light a torch, grab your pitchfork, and make like a bunch of terrified villagers. You found another episode of The Big Scary Show! <laughs> Greetings, listeners. You've tuned in to another great episode of The Big Scary Show. And boy, we're going Hollywood on you this time. Yep, Badger's still out in sunny California. He's in Long Beach for the Midsummer Scream, and he's still getting amazing coverage from the floor. We're going to talk to some neat vendors, some people going around. Great ideas, all kinds of neat stuff from this growing big Halloween and horror uh, convention out there. Uh, In addition... We'll have Deadline News, so you're filled in with everything else that's going on in the industry right now. You don't want to be left behind on that. Meathook Jim goes between the corpses, and as if things couldn't be bad enough for some people, he's going to talk about slave punishment. Ooh, the worst on the worst. Jonah's got a great assy old crone for you. That's right, we're going to find out how fear is subjective. And... I've got a haunt minute for you, so buckle up, we're going through a drive through on that one. And then, of course, the big feature, the awesome thing that we always have at the Big Scary Show, the Round Table of Terror. And boy, do we got one for you this time. We are sticking Hollywood, because there's a movie, and we usually don't talk about movies, but this one we're going to. Yes, it's Spooktacular, the movie. It is a behind-the-screens of America's original horror theme park. Well, that would be Spooky World. And this is an amazing trip, an amazing documentary. We're talking with Tony and David and going to find out all the details, how this project came to be, what's in it, what's going on, and a lot of how Spooky World was just the original pioneer 30 years ago for what we think a haunted attraction is now. It really was a different landscape back then and all the stuff that goes with it. Um, We're going even learn some things that you can still do and learn from Spooky World as it is and find out the details of when this documentary hits and who might be guest starring in it what you might see and the really cool feel you're going to get and a lot of footage going back 30 years ago for Haunted Attractions so that's going to be neat 
Learn more of that in this week's Roundtable of Terror. We're also going to have a gruesome giveaway for you, all kinds of awesome music, and a lot of other fun things, all in this Big Scary Show, episode 296, begins now. These women have just seen their doctor, Dr. Death. He stalks the city through the dark of night. I think somebody's coming toward my apartment. He has powers more terrible than any man who ever lived. (coughs) Don't answer your doorbell. What do you want? It may be Dr. Death making a house call. Rated R, restricted. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California. We're in the upstairs portion. Off the show floor, it's a little bit quieter, but there are still literally hundreds of people walking around up here. Lots of cool vendors. They've had to expand up here. And I walk past this giant sign that says 100th Anniversary, and that always piques somebody's interest. It's the Anaheim Fall Festival and Halloween Parade in Anaheim, California, celebrating a century of being put on. And there's even beer involved, which we'll get into a moment here. But I have Kathy here regarding this parade and this big fall festival. How are you? I'm very well. How are you today? Um, it's been crazy. There's thousands and thousands of people wandering around the floor here. And it's it's almost refreshing to come up and get into slightly less chaos than it is downstairs. I mean, at least, you know, you can walk around up here and see things. And, and there's air blowing through the air conditioning vents. And it's, it's nice and everything. But... Tell us about the Anaheim Fall Festival and Halloween Parade, which I'm assuming started in 1923. That is very true, although Anaheim has always enjoyed celebrating Halloween. The official celebration started in 1923, and so it's an all-community-generated event. Local businesses decided to get together in 1923 and 24 to put on a festival and a parade. And in 1924, we've had... Um, Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson were actually our co-grand marshals, and that kicked off a century worth of really fun times in downtown Anaheim. Now, now Babe Ruth is not necessarily known for being in the Southern California area. You know, we think New York, Boston, things like that. What was he doing down here? So he, Walter Johnson actually is local to Placentia, I believe, and he was doing what they used to call barnstorming tours of baseball. And he invited Babe Ruth to come out and actually take part in those tours. One of them was in Halloween in Brea, California on October 31st, which was the very first Anaheim Halloween Parade. Coincidentally, they were in town, so we invited them to be Grand Marshals. Oh, sure. Coincidentally. Wink, wink. Right, Right, right. Well, we're glad it happened, and I'm sure the publicity was just astonishing right off the bat because, hey, it's the babe. Right. It's very true. And our city really thinks of Halloween as a way to unite the community. So it was their first official, hey, let's all do this together. And that's what we're still doing 100 years later. Now, you know, you obviously can't get Babe or Walter Johnson here now. So so what, what entails the Halloween Fall Festival? Well, it's a group of volunteers. We are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, and we raise all our own funds to actually put the event on. We do ask for sponsorships from local businesses. The city helps us quite a bit, and they're great partners for us. But it's really an all-volunteer group that gets together. We build floats during the year. We also welcome other community groups to participate in the parade. And as long as you're themed to Halloween or Dia de los Muertos, 
or the fall festival or the fall season, you're welcome to come join in the parade. So it's a really community-generated parade that's lasted 100 years. Is there more than just a parade? Are there vendors, food trucks, and you know, art and, you know, spooky stuff walking around, and do you close off a street or a block, or how does that work? Well, now you're talking our language, because during (laughs) the day, from 11 until 6, right on downtown Anaheim Center Street Promenade, we close that street. It's a private street. We close it, and we have a fall festival during the day that features a costume contest for kids and a pet costume contest. It also has lots of local entertainment. There's kids' crafts. There are local artists that really feature Halloween or the fall season as what they offer. So we're very themed to what our celebration is. And there's lots of food trucks. There's local vendors on the street who are actually brick-and-mortar shops. And they're also open. And so it's just a good time to bring the family. There's parking structures right around there. And you can enjoy the daytime festival and stay on for the nighttime parade, which starts at 7 p.m. Now, Anaheim is also known as the home of, shall we say, the mouse. Do they participate? Do they sponsor or or provide any support for this? Well, we always think, those of us who are local to Anaheim, think the mouse came to visit us (laughs) because they liked the vibe they found in our city. And as a matter of fact, our city has a mascot by the name of Andy Anaheim. And in 1953, when the folks at Disney came looking for property... They liked what they saw, and so they actually drew our mascot and gave it to the city as a gift. So if you look on our website, which is AnaheimFallFestival.org, you will see Andy Anaheim, whose face, the actual character study, was done by the Disney company. And they have been actively involved, especially early on when they were trying to establish a relationship. They actually designed some floats that... Some of them got built. They were given over to local businesses to build or not build. And we still, to this day, consider Disney our partner. We are, our parade is about a mile, our parade and festival are about a mile to the north of where Disneyland is. They do participate every year. And they do send VIPs, or what other people might call characters, to actually take part in the parade themselves. And they're a great partner for the community, for our entire city. Nice. Now... Now, I did mention a teaser about beer. This is not necessarily an official part of the fall festival, but this is the Halloween-themed beer festival coming a little bit before this parade. What can you tell us about that? Well, let's talk about why Anaheim's a fun place. So in 1857, it was founded by a bunch of folks from, uh, from actually Austria and the Bavarian world. They lived in San Francisco, and they came to the south to found Anaheim because they wanted to grow grapes for wine. And so there were about 50 families that actually founded Anaheim, and they were all home brewers. So Anaheim has a very long history of enjoying beer, of home brewing beer, and we really do like our independent brewers in Anaheim. We like to call ourselves Brewheim. Um, so we really do enjoy beer. So this actually is an official event for the parade. It is a fundraiser. Because, again, we fund all our own money. We have to buy lumber to build floats and actually pay to close the streets because the streets are closed for our event. 
The parade itself is about a mile and a half long, so we have to close that entire section of street. And so the Beer Fest is one way for us to raise funds. We are doing it in conjunction with local businesses and a very reputable OC Beer Blog guy. So it'll be a fun time, and I think it's going to be October 7th, also downtown. You can check out our website for more information at some point. And what would that website and or social medias be for somebody who may be, you know, traveling to SoCal in the fall or if you're living in the local area, maybe you're somebody that might want to help sponsor. You don't necessarily have to be in Anaheim, I assume. I assume you could be in Huntington or La Palma or, you know, someplace and say, hey, I'd like to help sponsor this, especially on your 100th anniversary. How can people get more information? I assume there's no charge to actually attend this. So how can people get more information, make their plans now? It's not too early to begin looking at all that. It's We've been working on this for since January, so it's never too early to think about Halloween. Um, we actually really pride ourselves in making sure we are available to everyone in the entire region. We don't consider ourselves only Anaheim. We like to make sure we're open to everyone. So there's zero fee to attend the festival, zero fee to uh, attend the parade, to even participate in the parade. There's no fee. We want this to be a reflection of our community, and so we welcome everyone to come along. They can find more information on how to attend the parade, how to be in the parade, how to be a sponsor of the parade at our website, which is anaheimfallfestival.org. On Instagram, you'll find us as Anaheim Halloween Parade, and the same with Facebook. It's Anaheim Halloween Parade on Facebook. Well, this sounds like a great, great thing. Again, folks, you know, the haunted attraction industry has been around a few decades, not a hundred years, but the Anaheim Fall Festival has. So get out there if you're in the area, go check this out. Happening Saturday, October 28th, the beer festival is October 7th. Make your plans now. I wish you nothing but success on this, and here's to another hundred years of the Anaheim Fall and Halloween Festival. We appreciate that, and thanks for having us on the Big Scary Show. Absolutely, and speaking of the Big Scary Show, this is Drew Badger here at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, and we're out. Looking to step up your costume? CFX products perform in every environment. Film, haunted attractions, stage shows, theme parks, cosplay, and good old-fashioned Halloween. Created for realism and comfort from the number one company leading the industry for over 16 years, a CFX silicone mask isn't finished until you put it on. Whatever your needs, CFX has you covered with silicone. And once you put it on, you too will agree that a CFX mask will be the most comfortable rubber you'll ever wear. Find your new face today at cfxmasks.com, cfxmasks.com. The band Halloween. Her ghost comes out to play on the Big Scary Show.
Hi, I'm Kathy Couture from the Anaheim Fall Festival and Halloween Parade. I'm here with the Big Scary Show. Broadcasting to you from the darkest regions of the Earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary... All right, so one of the neat things that come out of the pandemic has been the creativity of haunts and doing something different with haunts. Uh, This week I saw an article saying that uh, the haunted car wash in Los Angeles was going to be open again this season and for two locations. I thought to myself, well that's a novel concept, that's something I haven't seen, a haunted car wash. And I checked out some of the, you know, YouTube videos, and the one I did find, interesting, they used the parking lot really well. They had, like, a Ecto-1 out there and a Ghostbuster saying how I'm the last one left and a couple other monsters walking around. Good use of the parking lot. And they did, you know, probably the bare minimum you need to do for the car wash. The regular car wash ran, and they had, you know, the attendants with clown masks and monster masks and coming up to the windows and scaring they were opening doors, but that may have just been for the camera because I think it was somebody who was, you know, with it. But, uh, you know, it went through not a bad experience. But, you know, as haunters, there's a lot more we could do with special effects and everything. But just the bare minimum uh, made this car wash a haunted car wash. And, again, they were charging a premium for it. So neat experience, and, you know, that had people come and go. I mean, if you could get a car wash done and a haunt and for a carload of people, that's not too bad. And we can come up with some neat ideas. But this also helps solve the problem with haunters with not having locations. What if we expand this to other drive throughs Huh? Here in Rhode Island alone, we could connect like three Dunkin' drive throughs because we have one every 500 feet and have just a giant drive through coffee haunt. I mean, you know, if you're really hurting, just go and accost the drive through at your local bank. You know, people can, you know, pay and then get money and then go through. But, you know, a little, little training, some flats, a couple clowns, you know, boom, you got a bank haunt. I mean, just, this is just a pretty good idea. And imagine, you know, some of the customers you get, too. I mean, you know, even haunters would go through this. If you could go through a five-minute haunt and get a cheeseburger at the end of it, hey, you're, you're, you're in there. You're paying for that. So, you know, if you're really thinking of something new this year and want to do something dis- uh, different, you know, check with a local drive-thru or something if they want to be haunted this year and, you know, do something really off the wall. It's worth a try. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at Midsummer Scream in beautiful Long Beach, California. We have been here for the last couple of days. This is Sunday. Things are 
going to be hectic, but before the show starts, I saw these guys yesterday, asked them to come back later. They are here before we start. Yesterday I was treated to a really, really awesome demonstration of sliders with the Decade Brigade over in the Hall of Shadows. Having been an ex-slider myself about 75 pounds ago, it's great to see the tradition is going and these guys can do things I could only dream of at the time. But I got Gascan here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh, you had a pretty impressive show. I saw your first one yesterday. Had somebody literally surfing on you across the, 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 the hallway there, it seemed like, and a lot of other cool things. How long have you been with the, with the Decade Brigade? I've been with Decade Brigade for seven years now. And, and how long has they, have they been going on as a, as a troop? It is our 10th birthday this year, oh, so it's our 10th anniversary. So yeah. this is a, a milestone, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Now, do you guys work for a particular haunt, or do you kind of rent yourselves out to whoever wants to pay you to come out and put on shows, or how does the Decade Brigade work? So we kind of function in our own group, and then if we get offers for any shows that we do, we all talk about it together, and we're our own identity, so we don't have to answer to anybody except ourselves, and then it's just fun doing it doing stuff that way do any of you work for other haunts like not scary or anything like that uh, a couple of us a couple of us definitely work for scary farm um two of us have actually been contracted out in hershey pennsylvania to open up their haunt last year and we'll be back there this year again nice. so that'll be pretty fun so you guys will travel anywhere it sounds like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, no fee is too big i'm sure right Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of training i mean you know sliding is arguably one of the most demanding parts of being a haunter there's so much you know running and sliding and jumping and and all sorts of major stuff i assume you guys train all year how do you train where do you train what yeah. kind of stuff do you have to do in order to keep that uh, that girlish figure that you yeah. know all sliders <laughs> seem to have so it's definitely an all-year thing. We go out to an old hockey rink in Garden Grove, and oh, that's nice. where we practice. Um, typically, we take off November and December, and then that's like our rest period, and then it's right back to it in January. And that's just getting warm up and getting back in shape, ready to go, because we start uh, rehearsals for these shows that we're doing right now in the middle of March. Oh. So we work on these for five months straight, twice a week, four-hour practices, just going at it up until our last rehearsal was the Monday before this. So you actually have more of a choreographed show exactly. as opposed to just going around and sliding and being pretty damn scary and everything. Correct, yeah. At the beginning of every year, we always get together, have a meeting, and just discuss who wants to direct a show. And then whatever group ends up being together, they get together and then they write it out and then they bring it to the rink and then introduce it to everybody and then just get going. It's simple as that. It's Is a lot the- of work, but... Is there an application process? I assume you have to prove you can slide before you can do this, and you probably have to have some kind of skill level to do it. But what, is, what does it take to become a member of the Decay Brigade? Honestly, it's, it's not so much. We don't run tryouts or anything. We kind of just scout around and, and look. But mainly, like speaking for myself, what I'm looking for is not even necessarily the best slider in the world. I'm out there looking for who is putting in the most work, who's got the most heart, who is willing to be at that rink by themselves working hard just because they want to be better. That, that's a great attitude, and I assume, you know, being able to work with other people and, and all that is uh, is pretty cool because, you know, most sliders I see just seem to be really cool folks mm-hmm. in and of themselves and, um, you know, pretty damn scary at haunts and everything like that. But, you know, watching you guys out there doing your show and everything, it, it's really impressive. I love the pyrotechnics with it. I love the lights and I love the music and, and everything, the jumping, the sliding between legs and over and hopping and all that stuff. That's impressive. That's all I can say. You know, I, I, I was just the guy that kind of slid. Yeah. 
and I sparked a lot. And I and once I got my momentum going, and I and I did a little bit of you know this, that, and the other, but nothing nothing fancy like you guys. So, you know, is there anything here that you guys do that you've never seen other sliders do? I mean, I've seen people jump and hop over other people yeah. and, and things, but what what's kind of a decayed brigade exclusive? I don't know if there's many decayed brigade exclusives. It's just a lot of the times. Um, I mean, obviously, we all try to stay humble, but I, I, I feel that we start a lot of the trends more recently that people pick up, whether that's tricks or just even the style of sliding. Like, just the energy that we bring, I really appreciate with this group, and it's honestly really cool to see other slider groups trying the stuff that we do because we just want the sport to grow and just get bigger. The more people who are doing it, the more opportunities more sliders are going to have to do events like this and do performances, and that's just so rad. It sounds it sounds fun. And um, one last question here: You know, you guys are obviously are on concrete. You're not sparking very much like this. Do you guys prefer to work with uh, spark gear and and do the trail of sparks and things at other places, or do you not worry about that and just you know use whatever materials they have? Uh, not any of us currently on the team use anything to spark. We just oh, wow. love sliding for the for the just sliding of it. <laughs> you think that hinders you guys if you have the uh, spark gloves or the magnesium or anything like that? Uh, definitely for performances out here it would just because you want your gear to be as streamlined as possible for at least what we're doing for Midsummer Scream. Sure. For scare sliding, I'm all for it. Personally, I don't like to use it because I have the philosophy that as a slider, you should be in and out, hit your scare. You're not supposed to be a spectacle. When you're performing, you are. But when you're scaring, you're there to scare. You're not there to be looked at. Very, very cool. For anybody that might be interested in becoming a slider like you guys or want to know where you guys are going to be performing, if you're going to be performing just in SoCal or NorCal or anywhere else around the country, is there a schedule, websites, social medias? How can people get more information about the Decade Brigade? Yeah, for sure. You can always visit um, our Instagram at Decade Brigade Official, and then you can check our TikTok as well, uh, also at Decade Brigade 88. And then um, as far as, there's a couple of us who have monster accounts. We're usually trying to post as much as possible. One is GasCanDB, there's FryboyDB, and there's NightmareDB. So you can hit any of those up on Instagram or just message our main page. We're always happy to talk and answer questions you have. Last question, what's the significance of the numbers? When you guys had the screen up there, it was like GasCan, number this, this person, number that. That was just our jersey numbers. We've never had a real showcase for the individual sliders on the screen before, so we wanted to do something that's going to give information about us without revealing too much that, like, has never been public before. I see. So once again, look up Decade Brigade on Instagram and all the social medias and everything. Gascan, a pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. I wish you very much success on all the uh, three shows you'll be doing here and, of course, with the upcoming season. Thank you so much. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger. We are here live at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California. Hanging with the sliders, and we're out. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. <laughs> See you soon at vfxcreates.com. Music by Midnight Syndicate. Hey everybody, this is Gascam from the Decade Brigade, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. I 
Hello everyone, Drew Badger here, and this is Deadline News for episode 296. And we're going to start off with an update from HauntCon coming to Daytona Beach, Florida. HauntCon 2024 will take place February 9th through the 11th at the Hilton Daytona Beach Oceanfront Resort in Daytona Beach, Florida. This year's event promises to be the out-of-the-box vacation-slash-con experience and scariest yet, bringing together haunt enthusiasts, buyers, professionals, and industry insiders from all corners of the globe. Get more information and register today at hauntcon.com. We have some hiring news. This time from the Andover Haunted House in Andover, New York. Join our team. We're looking for volunteers, scare actors, security, EMTs, outside customer relations, and more. Stop by any Wednesday between 4 and 8 p.m. You can get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash andover.hauntedhouse. We have some more hiring news, this time from the Avondale Haunted Barn in Rutledge, Tennessee. Are you too old to go trick-or-treating this Halloween? Then why not join our professional screen team? Don't wait, we only have a few spots left for new applicants. And no, that's not a gimmick to get you to contact us. We really do only have a few spots left, or else you'll have to wait until next year. Get more information at Avondale Haunted Barn. We have this from the Adams Family Haunted Woods in Marysville, Ohio. Calling all our spooky friends, it's that time of year. Who wants to act at Adams Family Haunted Woods this year? We're opening every Saturday starting September 30th through October 28th. Message us if you're interested so we can get you added to the roster. Feel free to tell your friends. This is a volunteer position. Food, snacks, and drinks are provided, and serious inquiries only, please. If you've not confirmed with us that you're coming, please send us a message. Thanks, everyone, and stay spooky. You can send them a message and get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash AdamsFamilyHauntedWoods. We have this from Rotten Manor in Holly, Michigan. Want to take your chances with Mr. and Mrs. Rotten? Leave your mark by bringing a doll, write your name on it, and drop it off at the security station to be hung in the infamous Rotten Trail of Dolls. Please note, any dolls dropped off to be hung will be considered a free donation to Rotten Manor. We're also introducing a new terror at Rotten Manor, the House of Wax. Don't forget, folks, parking is always free at Rotten Manor. Get more information at facebook.com slash Rotten Manor. We have this from the Ghostly Grove Haunted Attraction in Pinckney, Michigan. Ghostly Grove Haunted Attraction has openings for scare actors for the upcoming season. If you enjoy scaring your friends, like working with a fun team and want to earn some extra money, then Ghostly Grove is the place for you. Fill out an application today at ghostlygrove.com dot hauntscheduler.com 
We have an update from the 13th Acre Haunted Attraction in Monroe, North Carolina. Are you brave enough to discover what lurks in the depths of the 13th Acre? Find out this fall when we return with our newly expanded Scream Park with more frights and chills and screams than ever before. Mark your calendars. Opening night is September 22nd. The 13th Acre opens select nights from September 22nd through October 31st. Get more information at facebook.com slash the 13th acre. We have this from Trapped in the Darkness Haunted Attraction in Citrus Springs, Florida. Trapped in the Darkness is now hiring scare actor and event staff positions. If you are energetic, enthusiastic, and have a love for all things haunted, text us to be scheduled for an in-person interview at 352 601 one two three seven we're hiring all positions for the 2023 haunt season actors ticket takers concessions parking lot attendants janitorial maintenance front gate and more requirements you must have a valid id if you're under the age of 18 you must be accompanied by a parent or guardian to apply and you must have reliable transportation all applicants must complete a background check get more information at Facebook.com slash Trapped in the Darkness. And finally, we have this from the Woods of Terror in Greensboro, North Carolina. Here at the Woods of Terror, we wanted to find a way to give you an even closer experience to the terror, so we've created the ultimate golden ticket meet and greet. Come meet your favorite Woods of Terror icons up close and personal. Take pictures, get autographs, and get to enjoy our midway before the general public. Tickets are available now. Monsters will vary nightly, and this ticket can only be purchased in advance. If you're late for your meet and greet time, there will be no refunds. Get more information at woodsofterror.fearticket.com or woodsofterror.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We're live at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California, and I see these guys here every year. I see these guys at Transworld. I see them at lots of different shows, primarily on the West Coast, but I think they travel pretty much anywhere you need to uh, get all your cool accessories, your patches, your bags, your Elvira stuff, lots of cool things, Vincent Price, all the amazing t-shirts, they've got glow-in-the-dark blankets, all this cool stuff. It's Creepsville, with a K. And I've got Michelle here. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're hanging out. We're having a good time. It's Sunday. We're kind of tired. It's been a very, very busy day and very busy weekend. And I imagine people are just in here throwing money at you and walking away with some really cool products. It's been a bit slammed, as always, at midsummer, but it's been really, really good. So, yeah, it's cool. We're all at Sunday, so we have sore feet. We're a little bit tired, but it's still good. We're still out there doing it. 
So, well, so what is new with Creepsville since we talked? I don't think we talked to Transworld this year, so it's been about a year and a half since we've talked. So what have you got that's uh, new on the table? So we have a bunch of new ceramics and homewares that we're doing. We have a, a really amazing Elvira vase that just came out, and it's doing really, really well, as well as like an Elvira mug with her, um, based on a kind of like German-style uh, mug with the Oktoberfest theme. So it's, But it's obviously Elvira, so... It's pretty cool. It's doing really good. And we have a whole bunch of new stuff coming for the home as well. Some skull mugs, coffin mugs. Yeah, worth checking out. And you are an officially licensed Elvira dealer for her products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is, like, um, approved by Elvira before it goes in production. So it's got the Elvira seal. The Elvira seal of approval. you got to love it. You know, I'm a huge patch fan, and I come out here every year, and I see amazing patches every year. You know, I put them on my battle vest, all that good stuff. You've got some new stuff coming out. Yeah, like. we, we've got a lot of new patches coming out and a lot of new pins as well. So it's worth keeping an eye on the website, sign up for the notifications, and then you'll get be the first to know of all the new products. And everybody I know that's got one of these battle jackets probably has a slew of Creepsville stuff. I know I do, and I can't wait to. I'm probably going to have to buy a third battle jacket to put all the patches right, on that I've like, got yeah, now. Yeah, maybe we can have one for spring and one for fall. <laughs> that's a great idea. Now, you know, some of the stuff you've got here, I, I notice you've got a lot more Vincent Price stuff than I've seen in the past. Are you? A, do you have a deal worth the uh, Vincent Price? We, we work with Victoria Price's daughters, so we have, like, one of the new things that came out this year was the, uh, the Vincent Price Toby mug, and it's definitely worth checking out. It's a large size uh, Vincent Price with a crow handle, so, yeah, it's super cool. you, you got to love Vincent Price. So we've had Victoria on our show once many years ago. We hope to again at some point. But very nice to know that you're, you know, keeping that alive and keeping his face out there yeah, for everybody. I mean, Victoria came to the store and she did like a sign in the store as well. And I mean, Vincent Price is on our mural as well, so we all love Vincent Price. So you can, I assume you will be at Transworld again this year. We will be, yeah, looking forward to. And I think it's back to being in March again, is, so, so yeah, at least the weather might be a little bit warmer than January. <laughs> so we'll, well, see. well, you can't beat the weather here in Southern California. That's I'm, for dang sure. So I'm used to the cold weather; it's not a problem. But yeah. <laughs> But we do love the Southern California weather, too. It's a little different than foggy and yes. rainy. And well, in Scotland, you get fog, you get rain, you get sun, and you get wind, usually all in one day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that's, that's tremendous. So for um, people who may not go to the website or anything, are you working any other shows beside, between ne- here and Transworld? Our next show is going to be Son of Monsterpalooza in Burbank. So it's like the smaller one of Monsterpalooza, yes. but it's definitely one that's worth checking out. Yeah, there's some really great stuff there. And then I think after that we have LA Comic Con. So that's in December. That's that's a big show idea. And then we're back to and then we're back to the next year, and then it's like Transworld, St. Louis again. So you're, you're staying busy, and we love that. For people who may not be able to get out to shows like that, and they want to check out your catalog and order online and everything, what are the websites and social medias so where they can check out the creeksville666.com? And obviously, we're coming into haunt season, so we have like pop-ups all over the country at different haunts. So be sure to check them out. Uh, I did not know you did the pop-up thing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We we do. Uh, Knott's Berry Farm, we do the Haunted Hayride, we do all the 13th floor haunts. It's it's definitely worth kind of checking out and uh, seeing what you can find out there. And that is Creepsville with a K. Creepsville with a K, 666 says the numbers, dot com. Excellent. Once again, Michelle, thank you so much for thank taking you. the time to speak with us here on The Big again. Scary Show. As always, I'm going to go shop for some patches here at Creepsville's <laughs> website, creepsville666.com, if you need to... Uh, Lace up your battle jacket, 
Get yourself some Vincent Price, get yourself some Elvira, get yourself some Vampira, and all sorts of creepy, spooky stuff that's always in fashion for folks that attend places like, oh, I don't know, Midsummer Scream in Long Beach. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show. We're out. Spectral Illusions is a digital production studio creating video effects for your home or pro haunt. They carry over 30 stock videos ready for immediate download, as well as USB drives preloaded with multiple effects. In partnership with AAXA Technologies, they now carry projectors preloaded with multiple effects. And now Big Scary Show listeners can get 15% off downloads, USBs, and screens with code BIGSCARY15. Projectors not included. Visit SpectralIllusions.com and add some life to your haunt. That's SpectralIllusions.com. Hi, Michelle here from Creepsville, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. 13 Pagan Holiday 13. Long Shadows Fall on Halloween on The Big Scary Show.
want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror, then let dark imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, if you were listening to the last episode, you know that we had a gruesome giveaway for the month of August, sponsored by our great friends over at ScreamlineStudios.com. Next month is September, folks, the official, unofficial start to haunt season, so get on out to Screamline Studios and you better order up all your Halloween supplies while there's still time. Or, if you're lucky, you could enter our gruesome giveaway and possibly be selected from all the random entrants we had from the last episode. We did select somebody at random, and I believe we have them on the line. Random caller, what is your name? Where are you located? Uh, This is Courtney Hart, and I'm in Vancouver, Washington. Vancouver, Washington, up in the Pacific Northwest. What's the uh, temperatures up that way now? Uh, Well, today we're at about 75, but it's been 90s. Oof. And, and yeah. is that fairly typical for that part of the country this time of year? Yeah, pretty typical. Okay. But I guess that 75's probably got you thinking fall season's coming around the bend, right? Yeah, a big time. Well, let's find out if you are indeed the winner of the August gruesome giveaway. I need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. Question okay. number one. Did we contact you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No. Okay, question number two. Did you try to influence us in any way in picking your name? No. Very good. Well, Courtney Hart of Vancouver, Washington, if I recall the question, or at least paraphrasing it, the August gruesome giveaway question was, when we talked to Bruce from the Reign of Terror Haunted House, he had mentioned that he used to be above a Gold's Gym but has moved the haunt into a new location. Who was the former occupant of his now current location? It was a Marshall store. And a Marshall store is absolutely correct. Congratulations, Courtney Hart. You are Thank the you. August. You're the August gruesome giveaway winner. All right. Glad to hear that. If you'll stay on the line, we'll get some uh, shipping information from you. Do you uh, work for the industry? Do you own a haunt? Do a yard haunt? Do a home haunt or anything like that? I'm a home haunter, and I just bought a new house this year, so I'm doubling in size. I'm very excited to get this prize for my haunt. Oh, excellent. Maybe this will uh, entice you to expand your haunt even more. Um, Uh. does, (laughs) Does your haunt have a social media page or a YouTube or anything like that? Yeah, I have a a Facebook, and it's The Haunted Laboratory in Vancouver. And then I also have TheHauntedLab.com. TheHauntedLab.com. That's a cool name. So everybody get out there and check out TheHauntedLab.com. How many uh, trick-or-treaters are you expecting this year? I uh, Like I said, I just bought this house earlier this year, so I don't know what to expect yet. (laughs) Well, 
Well, hopefully the prize that Screamline Studios will be sending you will fit in very nicely to your home haunt there. But once again, yeah. we want to congratulate Courtney Hart of Vancouver, Washington to be the August gruesome giveaway winner. And of course, we'd like to thank Screamline Studios for providing these really fantastic prizes that we give thank away. Thank you. You're quite welcome. That we give away every single month here. Stay on the line, Courtney, so we can get some shipping information. And remember, folks, if you didn't win in August, next month is September, so you better enter if you want to win a prize in time for Halloween. Well, once again, congratulations, Courtney Hart, and thank you, Screamline Studios, for providing all our great prizes here on The Big Scary Show. The Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay. Whether it's time ticketing, virtual queue lines, or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at HauntPay.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that music does signify once again that you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror, which is very proudly sponsored by our great friends over at Haunt Pay. If you need time ticketing, virtual queue lines, anything regarding ticketing, and you want to get into the fabulous world of online ticketing, call Alex and his crew and they will set you up hauntpay.com. Well, folks, when I was at Midsummer Scream a few weeks ago, I was introduced to a gentleman who is, let's let's just put it this way, he is a living legend in this industry. Not only did he found what eventually became the Haunted Attraction Association, I'm sure there's a great story there, but he was also the founder of basically the world's first horror theme park now you know you can talk about you know knott's berry farm or some of these other places that do halloween events but they weren't anything like what they built out in berlin massachusetts over 30 years ago a little place known as spooky world and over the years that became an amazing haunted attraction there is a big scary show connection to spooky world i'm sure we'll find out about that in just a couple of minutes but there's a film going on about Spooky World. I believe it is called Spooktacular Behind the Scenes of America's Original Horror Theme Park. If I am wrong on that, I'm sure I will be corrected on it. But we want to talk to a couple of people who are very involved in this project. One, the creator of Spooky World, the one and only David Bertolino, who is out at his home in Los Angeles, drying out, no doubt, from the recent hurricane. David, are you with us? I'm with you, Drew, and thanks for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you in Long Beach a few weeks ago. So we will have a wonderful conversation, I have a feeling. Also, up in the Boston Matt area, we have Tony Landry, who is a producer of this 
film, Spooktacular. Tony, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me aboard. It is great to have you on as well, along with our regular host, including up one state over in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Greetings. Very excited about uh, the film and tonight's conversation, because 20 years ago, I was getting ready to go um, audition for Spooky World. And that's where I started as an actor in the whole attraction industry. Excellent. I'm sure we will talk about that a little bit. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. I'm excited for this interview because I'd like to learn a little bit more about Spooky World and how you guys did things so many years ago. I just, I'm looking forward to it. And I know you cut your teeth in theme parks as well. So, you know, as did I. Over in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have Jonna, a.k.a. The Old Crone. I saw the trailer. And it brought back so many memories. While I never got to go to Spooky World, just the whole vibe of haunted houses back then just brought back so many memories of when I fell in love with haunting. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, North Carolina. So excited to talk to Mr. David Bertolino once again. It was a lot of fun that we we had a great conversation in Long Beach at Midsummer Scream. We said, we got to have you here on a round table. So we've got you here. So David, tell us a little bit about, let, let's just go ahead and start way at the beginning, way back around 1990, 1991 or so. What made you decide to create, quote unquote, a horror theme park as opposed to a haunted attraction? This actually started uh, from my beginnings of my work career. My dad owned a joke and magic store in downtown Boston called Little Jack Horner. We were right on Tremont Street, which is like the Central Park area, the, you know, the Boston Common, they called it. And we had this Halloween superstore open all year round that was part of our joke and magic shop. And with that, we sold lots of props to back then, you know, in the 70s or even 60s, it was fundraiser haunted little haunted houses from the JCs, the Elks, the Knights of Columbus, you know, little small municipalities doing fundraisers. And so we kind of cut our teeth supplying the props back then. And it was interesting that um, it developed into, you know, getting into more wardrobe, costuming, makeup. And finally, our supplier bought, uh, you know, our interest in our wholesale division. It was called Ruby's Costume Company. And they made me a sales manager on the East Coast. And as a result, I called on more and more haunted attractions as they were springing up. But again, they were very small in nature. And then one day... uh, I was invited to a hayride uh, that was taking place in uh, Egg Harbor, New Jersey. And I flew out with a friend to take a look at it because he was telling me this hayride is doing hundreds of people a night, charging $10 a head. And that sounded fascinating to me because I had props. I had makeup. I had wardrobe. Maybe I should get a little stretch of land and I'll do a hayride. And to make a long story short, I started looking at locations And I found one uh, that I put under a rental contract. And then uh, as the season was ready to open, or I should say in May, 
I got a call from the FDIC saying, hey, we uh, own that farm that a speculator bought and you're not going to be able to rent it. But for very little money down, uh, we will honor this contract and you can buy the farm, which is five and a half acres of land. And that's what I did. I bought the property and uh, I figured that's all I needed was five and a half acres. There was more than enough for 30 or 40 cars. So that was great. And I started this attraction called Spooky Hayrides, charging $10 a head. And I'm going to accelerate this quickly. Uh, and that is... Um, my partner, Sean Fogarty, said, if we can get 30 or 40 people a night in 31 nights, we're going to break even. And I went out and borrowed $150,000 from somebody who at one time owed me money and couldn't pay me. But then when he sold his company for $9 million, he said, I owe you this loan. Let me loan you this money. Uh, and so I took the loan. It was a 10-year loan. And I opened up Spooky Hayrides. And uh, all of a sudden, after the first few days, I'm doing 2,000 people a night. And it's insane. Uh, you know, we created this hayride trail. The hay wagon stopped at 20 stations along the way. And we emulated these little vignette scenes from horror movies. And it was a phenomenal success. It was crazy. It was a runaway train. And it was in a, as Tony can tell you, Anthony Landry, who's with us this, this afternoon, he can tell you how special it was, how it felt so cool to be out in the, you know, deep in the woods, in, in the middle of nowhere, with a natural fog and deer jumping over across the berm in front of your hay wagons as you're watching these crazy spooky happenings. And in a nutshell, we paid back our 50, a 10 or 15 year loan in three weeks. Phenomenal. It was a, you know, a shark tank success story. And the movie Spooktacular uh, will talk about that in detail of how crazy this was. And I always say anyone could do it, but we were crazy enough to be the first ones to do it. So we are the first you know, Halloween horror theme park in America. And uh, we were, you know, in future years, breaking between 100 to 140,000 paid attendance in a month of October. It was phenomenal. And uh, Tony, if you'd like to talk about your, how you discovered it in that those early years from a fan standpoint of view and now, of course, producer. Well, uh, the thing about David is David is very savvy about getting information out, utilizing connections in the media. Uh, we have to remember, and, and again, this is a, this is very much a, a piece that reflects the early 90s, and it captures that spirit. Quinn Monahan, our director, absolutely captured the spirit of that time frame that was Indeed. critical to telling this story. Um we're seeing what Stranger Things has done with the 80s. It does its best to bring you back to the 80s. So what I can do is I can bring you in a little bit to my experience in 1992, 93, about a year after David opened this up. David was able to bring in a lot of people who knew exactly what they were doing in the media. And they had this jingle on the radio that was absolutely catchy as it gets. And Storm knows this one. You know that. 
Oh, yeah. Yep. You couldn't get away from it. And it always started airing in early to mid-September, right when you're wearing your Walkman on your school bus going into school. And they nailed morning drive time. They nailed afternoon drive. And this is long before cell phones. So when you heard the, the name Berlin, Massachusetts, the first thing was, we have a Berlin in Massachusetts, <laughs> you know, because, you know, we weren't as connected as we are now. And I think that that's what our director, Quinn, is going to nail with this is that time frame where you didn't even have a beeper back then. You had to find a pay phone down the street to make a call. And David nailed that scare factor at the theme park. They made you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere when you come off of the highway and you see that giant pumpkin about a mile away, and that's the only light in the area. And you see this natural fog bank when you roll in because they were located right off a very small river. They literally had special effects provided by Mother Nature. It was the perfect setting for this park. And we had never seen anything like it. We didn't have conventions as popular as they are today. You had to time it out to find a Fangoria convention, and those were very few and far between. So when we heard these advertisements on the radio saying, come to Spooky World, meet Kane Hodder, meet Elvira, meet Linda Blair, the first thing I said was, you can do that? We we never knew we could do that at that age. So everybody was asking their parents or their uncles like I did, to say, hey, do you have any plans Friday night? Maybe you can take this 13, 14-year-old kid to this horror theme park. And my even my uncle, who was in his 50s at the time, had a blast. It, it that, And that's one of the things that David and Quinn, putting this together, along with the rest of the team, Bill Tataglia, Aaron Meadows, and myself, is we wanted to capture that time frame. And it's a family experience. You're going to see how family translates when it comes to the Hunters, to David's crew, and what they went through to bring you this incredible attraction. And Tom Savini's role in this, absolutely incredible. Now, Storm, I remember you just said, you know, you couldn't get away from the uh, commercials on the radio. I, I, I wouldn't ask you to sing it or anything, but uh, what made it so catchy? What made it burn into your brain? Uh, it, it is catchy. You know, America's horror theme, America's favorite horror theme park, Spook. Spooky world. And uh, I mean, it was just all over the place. And, you know, yeah, 90s, early, uh, very, very early 2000s, uh, the Internet was barely a thing. You needed an AOL disk. If you wanted to find Berlin Mass, you had to do it with a map. You had to go buy a map. Because there, there wasn't even MapQuest to do that. You know, I was in college those uh, couple of years is in Berlin and moved to Foxborough. So I, that's one of my regrets in the whole attraction industry. I never got there as a customer because I was in college. Berlin might as well have been Mars from a college student without a car in Providence. And, you know, to get a group of people together and just the expectations of what a haunted house was back then. Was, was nothing to what they are now, haunted attractions are now, and what Spooky World was. I, I remember, you know, the first night working there to actually see it in action and, and doing that. And, you know, I was introduced to stuff like Midnight Syndicate, you know, that theming was such a thing. I mean, you know, little JCs would put on something, oh, there's something scary there, something scary there, here's a bowl with uh, grapes. But, I mean, these were themed houses. Uh, the, the hayride was legendary. I never got to do it um, 
because uh, all kinds of stuff which will probably be in this documentary and god knows how many more you guys get to make the stories from this but um you know the the houses and theming is amazing and then yeah the uh the uh celebrities and even wrestlers you know even before the wrestling got into a big thing that was where to go to meet them on a Friday night. And that, that was the big talk and drew people in. And Badger, you mentioned earlier too about theme parks. Uh, you get The thing people will need to remember as they're listening to this and what's going to make this documentary so neat, it's not an existing theme park. This is just this season for this. This is all it was. It's not like it was open in May for, for Memorial Day and stuff. This It isn't a theme park with a Halloween theme. It is a Halloween horror theme park. And there was nothing like it prior to that. You know, I remember the JC's haunts and I remember the, the Elks lodges and the, the, the boy scout haunted trail and, and all that kind of stuff. But this just kind of took it to a whole new level. It sounds like I'm, you know, I'm sure that there were haunted houses out there that were doing, you know, there are haunted houses out there that are celebrating 50 years this year. So, you know, they've been around a long time, but apparently you know, nothing of this caliber, at least not in the Massachusetts area, it sounds like. You know, we have a friend of ours, friend of the operating theme park, now fr- great friend of this wonderful documentary, Spooktacular. His name is Dan Roebuck. And Dan, Dan expresses it best by saying, where can you go and walk through a, a nightmare on Elm Street haunted house and then at the end meet Robert England? And he'll take a picture with you. I mean, where can you go to do that? Same thing with the Elvira haunted house. You walk through that, and at the end, there's Elvira, you know, willing to take a picture with you and give you an autograph. And we had, you know, celebrities that we would rotate. So every week we would change, you know, a group of four to six or eight celebrity horror celebrities that would sign autographs. And it's literally the who's who of the Halloween industry that that appeared there. It's just endless. I mean, it's easier to say the people who didn't show more than those that did show because it seemed like we've, we've had them all there. Well, I, I saw that you, you I'm looking at a, at a flyer that, uh, that I got at Midsummer Scream and I see the names Linda Blair. I see Alice Cooper. I see Tom regular, Savini. Regular folk every I see year. T- Tiny Tim was there. <laughs> Tiny Tim yeah. would come out and do, uh, you know, his feature song, Tiptoe Through mm-hmm. the Tulips. And then he would throw out plastic tulips to the audience. I'd go through an entire skid load of tulips. And then, not to mention, the second show was with um, Bobby Boris Pickett. And he, you know, right up front admitted, I'm going to do a medley of my one hit the monster mm-hmm. mash and he would do the monster mash. And so that was three or four times a night, tiny Tim, three or four times a night. And then we, in between we'd do a, an event called scary And we had various stages drew and those stages were populated with actual shows, entertainers. So I know a number of your fans that, you know, you and I talked about who go to knots and universal and all those other places they don't do stage events while you're in line. And I always felt if you're in line, you should be entertained and not just a little walk around character. You should have a full show. And that's what we would do several times a night on various stages in front of each haunted house attraction. And especially 
the grand feature, which was the, the hayride, we would have a full stage show event. And that way there, you're entertained while you're in the line. The line is part of the entertainment experience. And that's, you know, spooky world differentiated itself from all the others that came after by doing that. And it, and it was wonderful. And, and and now, you know, you, you see good queue line entertainment. You see midways while people are waiting to get in lines. And you can see, you know, I've been to a couple of haunts where they have like a stage and they have people doing, you know, dance routines, the, the thriller dance and things like that. But I, it sounds like they all kind of were influenced by what you were doing 30 years ago. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned how we met at Midsummer Scream a couple of weeks ago in Long Beach. And, uh, you know, that's a really nicely run event, a really nice horror con on steroids, literally, because where can you go to get a taste of watching about 20 different haunted attractions put their best haunts on display and you can actually go through them? Well, one of those was knots. And, I, and here I am sitting in my booth and I told management over at Midsummer Scream, I said, you know, who's going to want to, you know, see Spooky World, you know, a New England attraction? And he quickly corrected me and said, David, you're national news. I mean, we sold 24,000 videos back in the mid 90s of a visit to Spooky World. And those were sold in every Spencer Gifts and Hot Topic store in America. And so it's amazing when I was at that show, I actually autographed copies of some of the memorabilia that people purchased online at eBay or in the park when they visited. And there was a lot of people coming to my booth and, you know, paying homage to us. And one of them was one of the directors of Knots saying, hey, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be the attraction we were. Even though we were operating before you, you people really influenced the way haunted attractions came after 1991. And so we're honored. We're honored to be part of that. And that's, you know, part of it was starting that Haunted House Association back in 91. Yeah, we will definitely get a, into that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Storm. Yeah, oh, I was going to say that's a neat part and where there was a lot of national attention too. You know, back in that day, it was like Halloween time. All right, we're going to send Willard Scott to Massachusetts to be, you know, do a little ditty from Spooky World. Um, uh, I think uh, there are several times you guys showed up on the uh, Late Show. I think uh, with Jay Leno. I think even Tiny Tim got married live on it. Well, you know, broadcast that day that's right yeah we actually were on the tonight show with tiny tim a live remote from spooky world in berlin massachusetts he got remarried uh to miss jan and he um agreed to have it done with cameras on live on nbc so millions of people got to view that on halloween night at spooky world and so, and you know, other like you just said, Willard Scott doing the National Weather, uh, Rhonda Shear doing cutaways for her um, syndicated uh, Friday Night up, Horror Show. Was that uh, up all night? Yes, up all was. night, yes. Up all night. Yeah, I used to watch that. Jerry yeah. Springer made an appearance there. That's right. Did a Scream Queen contest with Jerry Springer as the judge. Uh, we've done a number of national, you know, a great tie-in with the World Wrestling Federation. It was called then. And, you know, every Friday night having the top wrestling superstars signing free autographs. And so that, you know, we brought on a different audience and we added 
the wrestlers every Friday night. We brought on a different audience when we uh, started a children's uh, event called uh, the Boston Children's Halloween Festival. And so we added that in later years. And all of a sudden, instead of, you know, opening at seven o'clock at night, we were opening at five o'clock at night. And there's, you know, a huge amount of strollers and families coming in. And so we were having that early movement at five o'clock at night. And, and, you know, it just it was wonderful to be able to attract that family audience. And when we when we decided to do that, we changed our rating system so we added a rating to every attraction from one to five skulls i think it was and that way there you know there was a couple of one and two star attractions and then the other attractions were in the higher level of stars but or or scares and it worked out so we can still maintain the the family audience as well so it was the numbers just kept going up there was never a point that we took a downturn I, I can only imagine that the town of Berlin must have really, quote unquote, loved you in October. I don't they know how it. big the town is, but I can well, only imagine traffic and all these people coming into town. It must have been a boom and probably a little bit difficult for the people who live there. Well, at the time, there was 1800 residents of Berlin. And then uh, it's funny because there was 2,100 guests on my front lawn <laughs> every night. And so we outgrew the footprint. And that is part of the controversy. You're going to see a very um, a good deal of controversy of how a building inspector and a, a selectman in the town uh, plotted against us to close us. And they successfully got a closure order under dubious circumstances. And we reveal that for the first time ever. And so uh, the, the town had to uh, properly make a settlement at, at some point to uh, be rid of us. Uh, but we went through a court system for that. And ultimately, that's what got us to move to Gillette Stadium. And we were deep in the woods, you know, behind where the Patriots uh, played football. And so uh, we move there eventually as a result of this controversy. There, we're we're going to build you that road to get to that point in this film uh, to, to show the, uh, the rise, the success, the marketing. That was the thing. Now, the shirt I'm wearing right now says I survived Silver Scream Con, right? David started a merchandising campaign, and Storm can attest to this. It was everywhere. It was a, it was like punk rock, rock and roll, the best band in the area. Every kid had a Spooky World shirt that said, I survived Spooky World. And fast forward to 2023, we now have bands that are opening up for Metallica on a worldwide tour, selling shirts that tip their cap to Spooky World. Oh, that's fantastic. And those are such retro shirts, too. I mean, they 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 look dated. Bad. They, they look like they're from the 70s. In the nineties, but there and if you look on the secondary market now, they're selling for seventy-five to one hundred dollars a shirt, and they're shipping from places like Dubai, and they're not knockoffs; they're real. Yeah, so I am blown away at the memorabilia and what it does sell for. Our tiny, we had a shirt that said, "I survived 
Tiny Tim's Wedding at Spooky World in October 31st. It was either 94 or 95. And I see those selling for three or $400 a piece on eBay. And I'm, I'm blown away by that. Wow. That's amazing. I do want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show with our very special guest, David Bertolino, Tony Landry, talking about Spooky World and the documentary called Spooktacular with our regular host. We're going to take a very short break right now, and we will be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we are back talking with our very special guests, David Bertolino, Tony Landry, about Spooky World, the original Halloween horror theme park up in Massachusetts back, oh, about three decades or so. There is a documentary coming out soon called Spooktacular, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, you touched on it before the break, that there was some controversy with the town. You wound up having to go to Foxborough, I believe. What was what was the main reason for that, and were you as successful there as you were in Berlin? Well, they were two different locations. I mean, one of, the first one was the original location, really in the woods, deep in the country setting. And it was in a valley slope, which would also get your natural fog going all the time, a cold fog from your knees down. So the elements of it were pretty sharp where, you know, Foxborough, yeah, you know, it was the home of the New England Patriots and you would go through the stadium parking lot to get to it. But it had a different feel, a little more commercial and uh, but I will tell you, the numbers were triple the amount in, in Foxborough because we can handle it. I mean, basically, you know, we can do 10 to 14,000 people a night in Foxborough. We're in Berlin capacity, you know, five or six thousand tops. And then, you know, even at that, the, the, the ground rattled at that number because, it you know, it, you know, it affected traffic. It affected you know, everything going on there. But, um, I mean, they had two different fields. Absolutely. They okay. did. They definitely did. But it was unique to both. I think that the Berlin location, which we very much focus on a great deal of the spectacular documentary, people are going to feel that vibe, that solitude, that fear uh, of Berlin. But when you go to Foxborough, it very much pulled it back saying we accept our surroundings here and we're going to go full tilt full force we're going to juice up everything the size of everything's bigger the amount of people we can hold is bigger and we get into that as well in this film and here the great part about it is such a storm it launched storms haunt career uh <laughs> a lot of the people uh david uh you know set forth a lot of sales 
in this uh, industry. And a lot of the people who haunted 30 years ago in Berlin are still doing it. They're legends. They're teachers in the haunt industry. And the folks from Foxborough as well are also taking on leadership roles in the haunt industry from their experiences at the original theme parks. You know, I wasn't really sold on doing this documentary. You know, I retired. I moved to California. Uh, I was in the middle of a divorce. I thought, you oh, know, let me, I, I wrote a play. So I said, let me try it out in California. And then I just kind of settled here. And then I uh, met with uh, my next door neighbor, Quinn Monaghan, who is a director working on the Emmys, the Oscars. He, he's got a lot of experience with uh, television segments. And he said, let me follow you around. Let me, you know, talk to some of the people involved at the old spooky world. <clears throat> and I wasn't interested. And I just wasn't interested because maybe I just felt that, you know, it, I don't know. I didn't think that other people would be interested. And then one night, you know, again, after being pursued for about a year, uh, I'm watching uh, Seth Meyers, and he has a guest on, John Krasinski. And John says, um, or, or Seth Meyers says, tell me, fellow New Englander, <clears throat> can you um, recall any highlights of your childhood? And he says, yeah, I, I can. He said, uh, my best moments were spent at Spooky World Theme Park in Berlin, Massachusetts. And I was blown away. I mean, it was just unbelievable to hear that. And so they talked for about 10 minutes. They came back to a second segment. And Krasinski's still talking about all of these incidents that happened around him during several of his visits. The next day, I called Quinn Monaghan. I said, okay, I'm in. Let's, let's do the movie. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was going to ask you how this started and how long has it taken to create this documentary, how long were you quote followed around by Quinn Monaghan? Three and a half years. Mm. Seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually I had a full head of hair when we started this. I uh, <laughs> I was a young pup, and uh, here we are now. It, but at the at the same time, the filmmaking during a pandemic, uh, I think, is worthy of a documentary of itself. The ability that what we put together, um, I'm extremely proud of uh, what your folks are going to see. You're going to see it, a one. Um, Go ahead, so, David. No, I just say it's phenomenal. I mean, we've had fellow, uh, you know, A-list uh, producers and directors who have looked at a sneak advanced preview of it. And they said, wow, over the top, nothing like it. This is going to be wonderful. And, and it, already many film festivals have said the same thing because we are up for best documentary in many top film festivals coming up. And uh, speaking of which, uh, big name producers, a little tease to the future uh, of Spooktacular and beyond. Uh, we had a meeting last year at Midsummer Scream uh, with a producer uh, who many people will know the name right away. We're not going to say it though. A list, the the A list of A list, who we were going to talk to him about uh, a possibility of working together down the road, and he beat us to the punch and said when he said, "You folks are getting prepped for a scripted series potentially. Count me in. I'll help you produce." 
Yeah, he wants to produce, and he's got several shows on the air now. He wants to produce this. And so, uh, you know, we're just waiting for the right timing to uh, sit down after the strike and explore the opportunity. But I'm honored to be able to have been approached by this uh, huge talent that has, you know, interest in seeing Spooktacular as a scripted TV series. Wow. How much of the uh, documentary is original footage? I mean, were you out there filming stuff back in the 90s during this time? I mean, was that common practice or was there just, you know, things that you just, you know, more of an interview type documentary with maybe, a you know, a few seconds of footage spliced in? Type well, thing? the nice thing about this, Drew, is that several of our employees, including especially our vice president, Fred Sherman, uh, were in broadcast media. So, the, you know, they mo either moonlighted at Spooky World or they went on to Spooky World in, during their careers, but they came from broadcast media. So as a result, we were able to access broadcast quality equipment to take the footage back in 91, 92, 93, and so forth. So we have a treasure of material. I mean, it, the killer part is we probably, we had like 91 interviews that are called down to 20, uh, but we do have little sound bites for several of them. But all of this footage, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, it was it was very hard to go into the editing room and, and figure out what should stay and what should go because it was all top rated stuff. So we was, you know, we just took the best of the best. The very, the infant stages of this, um, when Quinn, uh, David, and myself were having phone calls, you know, it was a little bit of a concern at first. How are we going to do this? Where are we going to locate the footage? David's connection with the high-end uh, production stuff, we were able to get that. But there was a lot of the telling of how it was built that we were saying, how are we going to display this? And lo and behold, many of the haunt industry designers that are still working today back in the day, we're recording their process of creating these haunts. And during our interview process, a couple of them said, I found a bunch of VHS tapes of, <laughs> of what I documented of what we built. So we came to an agreement with them. We were able to utilize their footage to the point where what you're going to see is the 105 minute version of this film at the film festivals. The beauty of the amount of footage that we have for this is that it's pliable. This could easily be a docu-series. There could easily be sequels to this. But what we have right now for you is a well-oiled machine of a film that's going to be coming out that Quinn put together. Um, a little bit about Quinn. Quinn was raised in Hollywood. Quinn also, if you look in the background real close in the movie Carrie, you will see him in the background of that gym before it went on fire. He also was one of the carpenters on the set of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. He worked on the movie, on the TV series V. He has a very extensive history, and I mean, I'm selling him short right now because his work on the SAG Awards, on the Academy Awards, is absolutely incredible because you're going to see some editing skills in this film that are absolutely top-notch. Amazing. Any questions at this time from the hosts? I have a question. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have changed so much in the haunt industry, in the world, in, you know, with social media and everything else. 
since Spooky World was born. What would you, do you think you'd be able to do something similar to that today? What would you change? What would you do different? You know, compare Spooky World to if you were starting something now. Uh, my goodness, I don't know. I mean, I know that uh, the requirements from the insurance industry are tougher. Uh, the requirements of municipalities are tougher. Uh, I think the carelessness of some attractions not policing themselves ha has made it difficult for those that, you know, do have safety that comes first. So uh, I don't know where I would begin on it, but I'll tell you, you know, when we reopened in Foxborough, uh, we were under a magnifying glass to make sure all the T's were crossed, the I's were dotted. And clearly we were shut down because of one building inspector who was basically having his strings pulled by one selectman. And I don't know if that could happen today. I think that would be an embarrassment to any municipality. They'd open themselves up to huge lawsuits, what they did to us. But just the same, uh, I think that um, I'm thrilled to see that there's so many more attractions now. I mean, you know, when I look at what's available in, in my own area here in Los Angeles, there's probably 30 or 40 big attractions within an hour drive from here. Of course, the granddaddy of them being Knott's and Universal, but there's some great, you know, one and two hour walkthrough attractions that are within the short drive time. So I think, the, you know, the options are there, the, the, the need, the popularity is there greater than ever. Um, but I'll tell you something, we... Uh, in all fairness, we put in 12 months a year to do our one month's work. And I don't see that level of uh, attention that goes on uh, with the other attractions that I see that are opening up. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know who's out there working all year on their one month a year haunt. Um, I'm sure there are. I just I just don't know them. Did you get a chance to go through the Hall of Shadows at Midsummer and see a lot of those home haunts and a lot of those semi-professionals putting on those little three and 400 square foot demos? I went when they were setting up. You know, I thought I'd have plenty of time to do it. And I, I told this to Midsummer Screen Management. I said, you know, who's going to want me to talk to them about a place in New England they never heard of? Well, surprise on me. I never left our booth. I mean, uh, I had a few bathroom breaks and a, and a few water breaks, but honestly, I'm telling you, uh, it was just a constant flow of people that <laughs> either wanted to know what Spooky World was out about, or but surprisingly, it seemed like more than half the people have heard of Spooky World. And so, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to walk those attractions when they were populated by the actors. Do you get a chance in October now that you're quote retired unquote to uh do you go to Universal or do you like if you're in a town in October do you look up local haunted attractions and walk you know, through I, and I, reminisce? Uh, I Danny Wolf, uh, who's a fellow producer on this project, uh, he's based here in, in Studio City, uh, California, and he took me to Knotts last year, and I was. I've never seen Knots for the Halloween event, and I was blown away. I loved it. I absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
it was a, a trip down memory lane and uh, uh, the grandiose and uh, the number they had maybe eight or nine attractions. I went through all of them. Uh, you know, we decided to get the uh, front of the line pass. Uh, and uh, I'm glad I did because I was able to go through all nine. I don't think I would have gone through even half of them if I didn't have that. But uh, my only advice to those going in knots or universal is go early uh, to beat the crowds and to, you know, so you don't have to wait in line as much. Well, uh, Tony, question for you regarding, you know, putting this all together. You know, you were following around David for three years. How much time after that has it taken to put this together? Well, what's the process? What ended up happening was the word of mouth ended up bringing to the surface so many more voices that were needed and necessary to tell the story. So I remember, Lord, it was 2021, probably mid-2021, all right, we're no more interviews. We're done. All of a sudden, hey, remember that story we were looking for? We just found so and so. All of a sudden, five more interviews would be had. Then all of a sudden, at post pandemic, October of 21, we end up having another 25 to 30 interviews. David and Quinn flew out to do that end with us. But also, I want to give a, a big shout out to our other producer, Bill Tataglia, and cameraman. Aaron, uh, we ended up having to utilize his studio during the pandemic to socially distance to film. And uh, it was a baptism under fire to do that. We ended up having what? I think a little over 50 interviews done distanced in a studio with all the precautions taken. And we had myself in the interview chair. We'd have David and Quinn on Zoom. So it was just very much an incredibly unique way to film under incredibly pressured circumstances. But the reason it kept, it took three and a half years was because these stories that kept coming to the surface, like I said, you could look at our vault of footage and go only 105 minutes. You have so many more compelling stories to tell. Exactly. So uh, what you're going to see again, I'm proud of, but the process to do that, that's what, uh, that's what gave birth to our podcast, which is on our website at spookyworldthemovie.com. We have links up to the spooky 101 podcast, and we named it that to, to blow the dust off of things and give a new generation an education on what spooky world was. And the one, the first click you'll see is a one hour long interview with David, myself and Quinn on how everything came to be. David's background as a child, Quinn's background growing up in the Hollywood industry. And we utilized it to serve two masters because what ended up happening was we used that interview for a long form interview for the podcast, but we also were able to have side conversations after we hit stop on recording to interview some major voices like Lloyd Kaufman, like Victoria Price, who graciously agreed to uh, have her father have a presence in this film with his old footage. And a lot of people will say, Vincent Price never appeared at Spooky World. Why is he? Uh, but, but he did. Yeah, <laughs> he did. And that's the amazing thing. Quinn was able to take um, the footage of Vincent Price that Victoria graciously gave us uh, 
And a lot of the footage we had was a lot of the haunts, was a lot of the park. But what we didn't have was a lot of David to be able to, to focus on some plot points. So how Quinn utilized the footage of Vincent Price as David at certain points, you will look at it and say, oh my God, this makes complete sense and it's perfect for this. So I really can't wait to hear people's reactions after our world premiere in Austin at Fantastic Fest at the end of September. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing thing. I was going to ask because I noticed that on the cover of this little brochure I have, it says starring Vincent Price. I did not know, like you said. You know, did he attend? Was he a part of it? I mean, you mentioned Victoria earlier, and so I, I'm very curious to see how this is going to be reacting. Um, as far as when the film is shown at film festivals and such, are you primarily looking for like streaming release? Are you going to put this in, say, a Blu-ray steelbook type package, or are you looking at maybe a theatrical kind of thing? How is how does that work once it starts making the film festivals, you know, rounds? Well, unusually, uh, or usually you wait for the film festivals to get your offers. In this case, we did send some advanced screener in an incomplete state a year ago. And based on that, we have three offers. One of them, you know, a, a leading um, streamer, uh, a leading group that produces and we decided um to hold off until the first film festival to open up the offers again uh but we do have interest in two other leading groups that um have not seen it but will be seeing it for the first time at the festival so, but right now we have three offers again we're holding off we've got a moratorium on um you know responding every everyone knows that we're waiting for the the initial premiere screening oh sure. so where will it go i think you're going to see a wide release theatrical release on this that's what i believe hmm. is this something that you might try to package and sell at haunted attractions and like you said spencer's earlier or oh no spirit no, halloween no, stuff no more of a the regular theatrical release okay yeah very nice any other questions from the hosts? I want to talk real quick about how HAA, what became HAA. I want to hear a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Well, we, um, back in 91 was our first year. And, uh, and it's funny how we got national press even in year one. Uh, we were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal with a lovely write-up about how, uh, you know, this guy from Boston, this costume salesman at Ruby's Costume, uh, started an attraction and how he hired uh, special effects director Tom Savini, who's designing the work, and how thousands of people are going to Berlin, Massachusetts. Well, that was a financial, you know, newspaper. And then within a day or two, we're on the front page of USA Today, which I don't know how popular they are now, but back then they were wildly popular. And that just propelled a huge amount of attention. And so 
Fast forward to the following year, the uh, spring of 92. And uh, at that time, there was a show called Transworld. And it was a gift show. It was a merchandise show. And um, I was approached by the people who ran that show that they wanted to do um, something that would have a haunted attraction section at the show. And they asked me to be one of their speakers. So they had 10 or 12 seminars and I gave my speech. And, um, and I said, if you, any of you have any questions, I have to go back to my booth at Ruby's costume company. Well, I went back to my booth and there's like, I'm not exaggerating about 20 haunters, whether they're home haunters or, you know, fundraiser haunters, whatever they are, they came to my booth all at once and management at Ruby's is going nuts saying, David, what are these people here for? They want to ask you questions. And, you know, I'm in the sell mode for chain stores at the time. So I said, look, guys, we can't do this. I'll tell you what, I'm staying at the Marriott Suites across the street. Come to my suite at seven o'clock tonight and, you know, get the word out to all your friends because I don't want people bombarding my booth. And so uh, at seven o'clock that night, about 30 or 40 people descended onto my I didn't have enough chairs, obviously. I didn't expect it. So everybody's sitting on the floor. And there is, um, you know, a number of people. Sidney Neal from Salt Lake City. Uh, Joe Jensen from Chicago. Dave Clevenger from Terra on Church Street in Florida. Uh, you know, all of these haunters from all over the country. Uh, uh, Philip Morris, who had a Halloween distributing company. And so we had a, you know, discussion and, and we were sharing ideas. And at the end of that meeting, we decided, let's do an association. Let's call, call it the Haunted Attractions Association. And from that point on, that day, um, that was the birth of the HAA. And um, that was the very first organized meeting of the Haunted House Association. And did it eventually become IHA and then yes. became the HAA? Okay. Yes. So, okay. I remember when it was that. And then right. there was a, and then the HAA and they just kind of merged maybe right. they 10 combined. or 12 years ago. Exactly. Okay. And John oh. and Drew, you're going to be hearing uh, a few of their voices in their, uh, their videos lending to it in our documentary. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, not not to you know brag or anything, but I actually am an Oscars award recipient from this past year of the Haunted Attraction Association. I was the first one of a small attraction to win um, an Oscars. You oh, know, sweet! So, not to brag. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> John. We you. call her our award-winning host. So <laughs> there you go. But um, I assume people like. Mike Krauser, Leonard Pickle, folks like that were around during that time. Yeah, Leonard was there. Uh, Leonard and Jeannie. Um, who else? Uh, M Michael Burnett was one of the original people there. Uh, who's six, he works at Universal uh, all year long for, you know, creating the the scare park for them. Um, and um, yeah, it was just it was packed i mean there was like 30 or 40 bodies on the floor 
I think we gave up our seats for the older crowd and I was the younger crowd, so that was good. But Philip Morris was in a, the throne chair, you know, directing, uh, you know, most of the conversation. But, um, you know, I was this guy who was very naive and I said, listen, I, you know, I didn't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm just letting you know, I did 60,000 people and this is how I did it. And, you know, people's jaws were open saying, you know, that's phenomenal. And, it, you know, and it was, and I was willing, you know, in all fairness, I never was secretive. I always shared what we did, whether it was marketing or insurance tips or, you know, you know, park operations. I always was very open about, and that creates a two-way street with, you know, your fellow haunters. Uh, and, you know, you know, a lot of times that doesn't happen, but it worked for us that we were very open and we exchanged information. And well, again, I think you, is... you started that, that feeling of um, camaraderie and networking versus competition because the majority of the industry is that way. We share information. We don't look at each other as competitors. We, right. we work well, together and share everything we know and experiences and, that's one of the reasons the big scary show is around because sure we're able to share that information that's right and i and i think it's very interesting that you know again this is before the internet so a lot of times the only time you would see leonard or sydney neal or somebody like that is at what was trans world at the time when they still had the retail show attached to it right 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 so you know it, it's not like you could you know look up the website of you know terror on church street or you know rocky point or some of these very you know classic haunted attractions and and see what they're doing you only got to talk to them during those times so you know sure. what you were able to accomplish is just you know nothing short of astonishing I feel yeah. and Thank and you. and as Thank a you. and as a point, the last time I was in New Orleans for uh, HauntCon when they were still attached to the retail show, Ruby's was still a huge booth there. So yeah. you know they appear to be going pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. As far as things go, so when I started with them, they did their first million dollars, and I was in my twenties. I think I was in my late twenties, and then you know. When the last I heard of their financial pulse, it was well over 400 million a year. So uh, I'd like to think I was just a little part of that. <laughs> well, looking at the clock, I know we have to start winding this down. Uh, any qu more questions from the hosts at this point? Yeah, I got a quick one. Uh, Tony, <laughs> our audience is mainly haunters. Is there an aspect of this film you think they're going most relate to, like a story or or, or part of it? Uh, I think there's a few, actually. Um, we have uh, a few of the local, in New England especially, horror haunt icons who got their start at the Berlin location, uh, and they're going to be lending their voices to this. We're also going to be having folks who only spent a year or two there but are still haunters for life. Folks who uh, can lend their voice to the night that uh, a very big incident happened that could have shut the park down completely, an accident that happened with a haunter that could have uh, been curtains for Spooky World in Berlin. Um, we have so many folks who lent their voice. We have on file, we have dozens of interviews with haunters. We could have had more. And who knows, who who's to say that we're not going to be going down this journey again 
uh, after Spooktacular hit screens in Austin. And who's to say that people want to hear a lot more about what David brought to folks and what the Haunters brought to life? Because being the being on that other side of the rope as a kid, I, I didn't know who David was at the time, but I now I know he spotted talent. He saw people who were passionate and the haunters are the ones that impressed me so much that sent me down this road to want to tell this story. And I, I have nothing but eternal thanks to every single haunter in the world for influencing me. And honestly, how many uh, bands have been influenced by haunters and what David put together? How many mainstream folks got the, the hell scared out of them at a haunted park they're now producers in Hollywood. They've now gone on to incredible careers just from simply someone who was passionate about what they did, scaring them. It's launched so many ships. It's incredible. And I would be remiss if I didn't touch on, as has been mentioned, the wrestling connection. You know, it seems that metal, Halloween, and wrestling all seem to run in the same circles. And we have had a number of really talented musicians and a number of wrestlers on our show that we see at horror cons and everything, you know, we all run in these same circles. So the same demographics and everything and, and to have, you know, spooky world, you know, literally one state away from the headquarters of the WWF at the time and bringing in some of that talent. Are, are there any names that you can drop at this point, or are we just going to have to wait and see for some of those people? You're going to, you're going to have to wait and see, um, but you're going to, it, we have footage from Foxborough where that's where really the wrestling connection was given birth. Uh, Gold Dust, I remember being there. I remember getting autographs from the Hardys and Lita. Uh, just uh, that you know, late 90s stride. Let me jump in. There's just the, Do I have a moment for a quick story? WWF story? Okay. Um, got a, we had, we're scheduled to have The Undertaker. And they were promoting him all week coming to Spooky World. They would uh, insert that promo during the wrestling show on the local affiliate station all week. And so uh, a day or two ahead, I get a call from Stamford, Connecticut saying, he's sick. The Undertaker's sick. So, okay, uh, who are you sending? And they said, look, um, this guy is up and coming. He could be the future, blah, blah. I said, I never heard of him. You know, please get somebody a little stronger name. They said, we don't, it's last minute. And believe it or not, this guy lives in New Hampshire. His father and he are going to drive, you know, to Foxborough. You're going to love him. I said, okay, all right, I'm kind of stuck. And so this fellow went on and he got a reasonable crowd. And that fellow's name is John Cena. I never heard of him before. He was not as well known as obviously he is now. But you obviously didn't see him either. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's awesome. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're my new best friend, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off the air, I'm sure. But uh that's that's tremendous. So, you know, hey, maybe he wouldn't be as famous if he hadn't appeared at at spooky world but, uh, <laughs> any uh any final questions from the host before we start wrapping this up and we could literally go on another hour or two but unfortunately time is short 
one final question for me. Where do you go from here? I mean, y- you've already mentioned uh, one film festival. I know that there are several that you are in consideration for. And you even mentioned nominated for an award or two. But what happens after the film festival circuit? Do you do you start working on another one of these? Do you start no, looking no. at I, things? I, what, what's I, we're going ex- on? We're exploring uh, the conversation that we had with uh, that group uh, regarding a scripted TV series. And so that will happen in short order. We're going to go out to at least four. We have four ske- uh, scheduled festivals and more possibly coming. And uh, and then at that point, I'm sure after the first or second festival, it would be on whoever decides what their marketing is going to be, how I'm involved in the future, how Tony's involved as well. So we're going to see how it takes its course. But I think you'll see a scripted TV series is what – they are exploring right now. If well, we're, uh, also, haunted... we're also teaming up with uh, a friend of ours named Spencer Charnas from the band Ice Nine Kills, uh, who has just been, uh, I've been texting him all summer. He's been on the road opening up for Metallica and he hosts a convention in Danvers, Mass, which is going to be our very first appearance on behalf of Spooktacular, uh, September 8th through the 10th. And Spencer, this isn't a one-off. Spencer uh, and the Spooktacular group have forged a relationship where we want to go forward with this thing. And let's see where we go after the fall. I think that four years is a lot of work. And I think that David would like a trip to Hawaii. I think that <laughs> I think I think my I think my wife would like a break from just constantly watching our 10-month-old. So I think that we're in a really good spot right now where we're, we're just going to sit back, see where the chips fall, and know that we're looking at a vault over our shoulder that has so much more to offer if we so choose and if someone wants it. So it's a really good spot to be in. If a haunted attraction owner calls you up, David, and says, hey, I need some advice, are you that retired or are you still willing to say, Sure. Let me come out there and, and see what you're what's going on, what you're all about. I, I think at this point, I'm happy to talk to him on the phone <laughs> and, and give that advice. Uh, but my traveling right now is kind of limited to the festival route, which is happening in September and October. Oh, sure. That's that's fair. Yeah. So any last questions? Well, David Bertolino. Tony Landry, it has been an absolute delight and pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show talking about Spooky World and the Spooktacular documentary. This is the part of the show we like to call The Plugs. So for people wanting more information about this documentary, which is, I believe you announced a film festival coming up in Austin, Texas, and when others are announced... I'm sure they can get the information on that. Are there websites and social medias where people can get information not only about Spooktacular, but maybe some information on Spooky World itself or anything else you have to plug? Well, Spooky World actually exists still with new owners in New Hampshire. uh, And that is not associated with our Spooktacular movie. Uh, but uh, to find out for the movie information, it's spooktacularthemovie.com. 
and we're in all the other social media. And as you said, we're opening in Austin at the fantastic film festival. And that is the craziest film festival on earth. I encourage uh, your listeners to go check out their site. Fantastic film festival. Excellent. And I assume that as more film festivals are added, that will be on that site. Spooktacular yes. the movie. Is it Spooktacular the movie? SpectacularTheMovie.com, yes. correct. SpectacularTheMovie.com. Our Facebook page and Instagram page, you can find the links to those on SpookyWorldTheMovie.com. We have Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X, however you want to go with that. We also have threads as well now. So that's all at the bottom of the main page. You can click. That is the fastest way to see our updates for which film festivals, which honestly... Uh, should be announced any week now for the fall schedule. Uh, I yep. do know for a fact that there's multiple more announcements and even better, uh, wait until you hear our panel announcements for the appearances at these. It's going to blow your socks off. Oh, yeah. The panels coming up uh, are huge celebrities that, you know, signed autographs for years at Spooky World. But, I mean, some really uh, interesting names. So, if, yeah, follow that website and you'll see the announcements. Can't wait to hear what some of those and who some of those names are. Um, any possibility you might be attending any of the trade shows or conventions next year? Maybe HauntCon down in Daytona Beach or Transworld in St. Louis or Fear I Expo? I would say if I'm, in, if I'm invited, I think I would go. Excellent. We would. I, I am sure there is somebody out there that would love to have you do a a panel or a you know a seminar on, if nothing else, the history of Spooky World. I think that is a fascinating topic. And you know, if this conversation we've had is any indication, I'm sure you've got just literally hundreds of more stories to tell. But once again, folks, SpooktacularTheMovie.com coming soon to a film festival near you, hopefully with such stars as Alice Cooper, Tom Savini, Kane Hodder, Linda Blair, Tiny Tim, and many, many others. You might even see Vincent Price there. David Bertolino and Tony Landry, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us here on The Big Scary Show. I also want to thank our wonderful hosts for their input, including Storm. Uh, this is such a neat conversation tonight. Uh, you know, bring back some neat memories and just so excited about this film. And, you know, the gist after this conversation, having known a little bit about, you know, what's what's the goings on with it. I, I really think the general public, this might become a Halloween tradition type of film. You know, the, the type of thing. I think just this, the, you know, something divulging back into the 90s, the time frame, just the state of everything right now, this might be just that fun Halloween special we haven't gotten in years. Very, very Thank possible. You. That's great, man. Thank you. I can't wait also, for you to see it, my friend. Also would like to thank Meat Hook Jim. Oh, I didn't have much input, but I was absorbing a lot listening to these great stories and the plans you guys have got. Just, it kind of drew me in and I just couldn't think of any questions. <laughs> you know, kudos to you. I can't wait to see the movie. Thank you, Jim. I was, Thanks, I was keeping Jim. Jim busy reconnecting me to a conversation with my sci-fi, <laughs> with my Wi-Fi blowing up tonight. <laughs> also, would like to thank Jonna, a.k.a. the old crone. Okay, I'm getting ready to send my hellhounds to come and, and grab you, snatch you up, 
bring you to Banshee Manor so that I can pick your brain for all your ideas. Banshee Manor, <laughs> I love that. That's great. I'm in. <laughs> I would My love name to heard it here. We have witnesses. <laughs> yes. My name is Drew Badger, and all I can say is I can't wait to see this film. And with all the B footage you guys didn't take out of the vaults, I'm just hoping that you'll create Spooktacular 2 Electric Boogaloo. But once again, folks, this is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Official. The critic's decision is in. Spooky World is spectacular. Enter the new black hole. If you dare. Or the new horror house of wax. This year, don't miss the real Jason, Bobby Pickett, or Alice Cooper. Phone the 24-hour Spooky World hotline. 508-838-0200. That's 508-838-0200. Spooky World is just west of Boston. And haunts every night from October 1st till November 1st. If you had the nerve, you'd phone 508-838-0200. It's American's horror theme park. Spooky World. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. And greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are now going to look at slave punishment. For slaves, the torture began when they were torn from their families and taken in fetters hundreds or perhaps thousands of miles to Africa's west coast for sale. But it was far from over. Slaves were shackled into the hull of a sh slaver's ship kept short of food and water, ventilation and sanitation, their spirits were quickly eroded. The irons made it virtually impossible to rebel. Famously, the Africans aboard the Spanish slaver Amistad overpowered the ca captain and crew in 1839. Surviving seamen steered them to the United States rather than Africa, where the Africans faced a a protracted legal fight before returning home free. However, this kind of occurrence was rare. Usually slaves remained subjugated. Drawn from tribes across a huge area, they were unlikely to be unlikely to be able to communicate with one another, let alone mount a revolt. Mortality rates among the slaves ran at about 20%. The dead were tossed overboard by the crew. Those who fell ill might also be thrown into the ocean to conserve rations. Slaves were shipped to Brazil by the Portuguese to work on coffee and sugar plantations. 
they went to other South American destinations to be worked by the Spanish. Many went to the West Indies, where in 1722, a law authorized death for runaway slaves. Some were taken to Britain. In 1765, Granville Sharp was living with his surgeon brother in London when black man Jonathan Strong appeared. Strong had been pistol-whipped almost to death by his master and then turned onto the streets. Sharp ensured Strong received proper medical care and prevented his owner from taking him back. The most sadistic stories of slave punishment came out of North America. Plantation overseers were armed by whips and often, often accompanied by vicious dogs. They enjoyed, legal they enjoyed legal protection in flogging slaves. In 1740, an act of legislature in America read, In case any person shall willfully cut out the tongue, put out an eye, or cruelly scald, burn, or deprive any slave of any limb or member, or shall inflict any cruel punishment other than by whipping or beating with a horsewhip, cowskin, switch, or small stick, or by putting irons on, or confining or imprisoning such slave, every such person shall be forever such offense forfeit the sum of 100 pounds current money. It was commonly known that overseers, masters, and even their wives whipped slaves to death. Simon Souther, a plantation owner who whipped and horribly tortured a slave until he died, was sentenced to five years penal servitude in 1851, but convictions like these were few. Whites used the defense that they were correcting errant behavior. Surgeons examining blacks tried to enlist for the Union in the Civil War found that one in five bore scars from whipping. Well, slave punishment, of course, would be worse in the U.S. because that's just the way we are. Anyway, catch you on the next episode. Hi there, this is David Bertolino from Spooktacular, the movie. And we're saluting the big scary show. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live in Long Beach, California at Midsummer Scream. And this woman walked up to the table, had a card talking about a reality show for home haunters, which, of course, perked my interest since we do like to talk about the home haunters. This is something coming to ABC TV called the Great Halloween Fright Fight. You might be familiar with it. They've been casting home haunters for the last little while. They're going to have a couple of episodes coming out reality style in October, and there may be some surprises with their next season casting. I have A.J. Rochester here with the, with us with the Great Halloween Fright Fight. How are you? Hi, I'm spooked out. <laughs> As you can't help but being here at Midsummer Scream. All the cosplayers, all the cool props, the Hall of Shadow is just dynamite this year. This is my favorite show of the year. I travel to shows all over the United States. Nothing tops this, but 
You've got a really cool concept as far as reality shows. You know, we all see the reality shows voted off the island, blah, blah, blah. But this is something kind of new, and this is kind of really cool. Yeah, so we originally started with Great Christmas Light Fight, which has been going for 13 seasons. And that was a hit. And many, many years ago, we actually had a Halloween version. But Halloween wasn't as big, so we didn't have as many home haunters to compete. And basically, four haunters compete in one episode, and one wins $50,000. And so since Halloween's become such a huge epic thing, especially with Home Haunting, we were like, let's do it again. And it certainly helped that the writer's strike was going because the networks are like, eek, we need content. So yay for us. And um, yeah, so we've got these great show. We've got uh, eight contestants, two episodes airing in October. And then we will be casting again in October when people have their haunts up. So we will be coming and looking for you. Are you able to reveal anything now regarding these two episodes, or is that still a tightly knit secret? Well, I can say that some of the people appearing on this episode may be here in the Hall of Shadows this weekend, and certainly people who have applied are in the Hall of Shadows, Uh, but we really have some epic haunts, everything from really homemade DIY to some great like roller coasters in their homes to dragons and dinosaurs and ghosts and ghouls and all like there's so many different haunts you know a lot of times people think oh you know it's all the same it's a shock stare and a jump scare and a couple of ghosts but trust me some of the things that people are doing is just it's incredibly creative how many 12 foot skeletons (laughs) can't reveal that but there might be a few excellent so you know you are going to be cast again again in october but it won't only be for home haunters how does that process work if I was a home haunter or another type of haunter, how would that how would that process start? So on Great Christmas Light Fight, which you know we've been going for years, we have two we have residential and we have heavyweights, and that's for the professionals. So the goal, if everybody tunes in and watches Great Halloween Fright Fight and it does well, then obviously they're going to renew and pick up more episodes next year. And then the goal and dream would be to have a heavyweight, at least one heavyweights episode, which is the professional haunters. But you can apply at frightfightcasting.com, frightfightcasting.com, and you can apply year round. So if you think you're ready, you can jump on, throw up a couple of pictures. Most important, throw your website up because we can't tell from one picture what your haunt looks like but if you've got a link to youtube or tiktok then we can real or even your website we can see the depths and the levels that, that you have in your haunt but it's great it's great fun do you need to do like a complete walkthrough as far as during the application process or will just photos do that's actually a really great question one of the things that always impedes people getting on even great christmas light fight and this year fright fight is footage we need footage and i know it's dark so there's different ways that people have gotten around that with you know nighttime cameras doing a daytime walkthrough but footage is absolutely integral to getting onto the show i mean if you don't have it that's okay that's why we cast in october when it's october and it's halloween and you've set up then give us a call and we'll actually give you some guidelines on how to show the best video that you can to give you the best chance to get on the show. I mean, it's $50,000, a one in four chance. You don't get that very often. I like those odds. And with that $50,000, you can lay the seeds down to maybe become a professional haunt down the road. There's a lot of people who are in the upcoming uh, episodes that have been home haunts for quite a while and have been toying with the idea. And one of the questions I always ask is, what will you do with the money? And every single person went, become a professional professional haunt. (laughs) You know, not to be a spoiler or anything, you're not going to become a professional haunt with 50000 But that's a really nice starting point towards becoming a professional haunt. So once again, what are the websites to apply? Where can people see past episodes, past season? 
Where can people get more information on the websites, social medias, etc.? So you can go to FrightFightCasting.com for the application. You can check out Great Halloween Fright Fight on YouTube. It'll be there. You can also go onto ABC's website and look around. Deeply embedded there is Light Fight and Fright Fight. And you'll see us. We're going to be hounding the pages on Facebook and letting you know that the show's airing. And, you know, if the, if the Halloween community can really get behind the show, then we'll get more episodes, we'll get more seasons, and we'll be able to showcase some of these best displays across America. Very nice. AJ Rochester, thank you for taking the time to speak with us here on the Big Scary Show. Once again, folks, tune in to the great Halloween Fright Fight coming in October to the ABC Network, and maybe, just maybe, we might see one of your home haunts. My name is Drew Badger. We're here live at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California for the Big Scary Show, and we are out. passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine foot giants, great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com Now that's creepy. Buried alive in each man is a strange, depraved creature that turns the soul into a battleground of sin and violence, turning life into an inferno. In Dr. Henry Jeffers, this knowledge, perhaps it was his quiet ways, his unloving wife, his simple homely face that drove him to unleash this inner presence. This was Jekyll's inferno. Dr. Jekyll gave life to the unspeakable evil of Mr. Hyde. Rich, handsome, decadent Mr. Hyde erupted to spew adultery, viciousness, murder in the greatest macabre spectacle of all time. American International Pictures presents a fascinating new Dr. Jekyll, a terrifying new Mr. Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson's study in terrifying evil, Jekyll's Inferno, in color and megascope. I'm AJ Rochester, casting producer of The Great Halloween Fright Fight on ABC TV, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live in Long Beach, California, beautiful Southern California here at Midsummer Scream 2023, hanging out at the booth, meeting all the cool kids and all this stuff. And this gentleman walked up to the booth next to us, and he mentioned that he was with the Mystic Museum. My ears immediately perked up, and I was like, okay, i got to figure out what this is. So I've got the gentleman sitting next to me. His name is Eric Wessel. He's with the Mystic Museum in Burbank, California. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us about this. This this sounds very intriguing, the little the little teaser you kind of gave me at the beginning here. Uh, so I own a museum in Burbank, California, and it's a museum that's a uh, nod to uh, horror films particularly. So we have a gift shop, but we also have the museum aspect, which is part immersive experience, part photo op gallery and part actual museum so you're able to take photos in iconic scenes from movies that we recreate but also see um 
props that were actually featured on movies. Right now we have uh, the bus that was used in Trick or Treat. We have a, the chair that was in the uh, I, uh, the uh, art from Hostel and was in the film where they tortured people in. We have tons of these things like all throughout the museum um, and a lot of immersive parts. So you could actually come in and when you get your ticket, you get a little device. For the 2000s one, we actually uh, have a CD. And so basically you go and you put the CD in CD-ROMs throughout the store and it'll activate things to make it an extra level of immersiveness. And CDs are so 2000 anyway, so that that works out perfectly. Exactly. That's why we chose that. (laughs) The CD is cool too because it also doubles as an art print because um, it actually has uh, art from a famous artist called Sam Heimer. He does Halloween art, and you could frame it, you could keep it, but it does also have music on it, which is pretty fun. So um, we have uh, Douglas Pipes, who did the uh, score for Trick or Treat, composed some music specifically for the museum for this event, and he uh, it's on the CD, but also not everyone has CD players anymore, so there's a, a QR code you can scan in order to watch, listen to it. So if I was to buy a ticket... And I was to come up to the chair that was used in the movie Hostel. Yes. Are, are you allowed to sit in it, and if, or are you allowed to touch it, or you know, if you get close to it, does somebody come out and start torturing you? Is that the immersive part of it, or how does that work? So um, that's a good question. So that is one of the only props that is not behind a case that you are actually allowed to sit in and be part of your photo op and take photos with. We do have character actors there to like kind of like get you deeper into the mood, but uh, we do not have scare actors. So no one comes out and scares you and pops up. And no one tortures you. Yeah, no one tortures uh, you, unfortunately. You know? <laughs> maybe next year, you know. The, the... Maybe, maybe. We'll see, we'll see. Well, this sounds really fun, and it sounds intriguing, and I assume that... You can get tickets now. You could walk in today and all this. How long has this been going on? So we usually do each exhibit for one year. Um, that way we could really put a lot of effort into the exhibit, and we want to give people enough time to come down. We do have a lot of people that are from um, either out of the country or out of the state, so it gives them time to plan vacations around it. So this current one, which is called Why Two Kills, will be up until next April. And then we'll have a new one opening up uh, in October because we have a second location uh, where we currently have an exhibit called Lost Toys, which is a museum of all toys uh, from the uh, 90s and older uh, that's all horror-themed toys, whether it's franchises or things like Mad Balls or My Pet Monster. It's the original toys to see, but that's also part immersive, so it kind of looks like you're in an old Toys R Us. Oh, God, I remember Mad Balls. Oh, I'm so damn old. Well, this sounds like a lot of fun, and I imagine Halloween season it gets even busier, but you are open year-round. We're open year-round, every single day. Fantastic. How can people get more information? How can people make reservations if they're needed or buy tickets and all that with websites and social medias? Sure. Uh, So you can look us up on social media. So we are the Mystic Museum on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we also have an online store, which is just themysticmuseum.com. We are going to be transferring over into a new store, uh, online store, soon where you can purchase tickets there. But as of now, it's just walk-in bases, and there's tickets always available, so you don't have to really worry about ever, like, you know, coming in. And, and your main store is in Burbank. You said there was a second location. Is that also in Burbank? Um, the, yeah, so they're all just uh, a few blocks away from okay. each other. So we have the retail shop with the main museum in the back. And then we have uh, an extension to that museum down the street where you get a, a whole different theme. Uh, and also you could follow my uh, personal TikTok and Instagram 
called How to Horror House. It's where you actually see the behind-the-scenes making of these sets that I do. Oh, man, that sounds great. So once again, folks, check out the Mystic Museum in Burbank, California. Looks like it's a, and sounds like it's an amazing thing. And he promises you won't get tortured if you go sit in the chair from Hostel. But there is some other cool stuff there. Eric, thank you for taking thank the you. time. Appreciate Come it. talk to us here on The Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California. And we are out. Raising Hell. Terror Television. From Musics from HorrorPunks.com Volume 3 on The Big Scary Show. owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. 
the Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Hi, my name is Eric Wessel from the Mystic Museum in Burbank, California, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. <laughs> it's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> I have been a fan of podcasts for a really long time. And at work the other day, I was looking for a new podcast and came across one called The Moth Radio Hour. Not for the faint of heart. I thought, ooh, this sounds interesting. So I started listening to a young lady telling a story. And I kept thinking, well, this is interesting, but where's the scary part? While I did enjoy the story, the faint of heart tagline is a bit misleading. Come to find out, the young lady was telling about her fear of speaking to strangers and how she overcame that fear. Nice story. I actually enjoyed it, even though talking to strangers has never been difficult for me. But it did remind me that what one person finds easy as pie, another finds terrifying. And we should remember that not only in the themes and rooms we set up in the haunt, but also in dealing with our staff. Sometimes the quietest person can be the most in-your-face actor if we take the time and understand what their fears are. One person's fear of performing in front of a group of people could be another's pure bliss. Fear is subjective, so even though it may not be scary to you, think about what's scary to other people. And something that may come very naturally to you may be difficult for others. Fear is subjective. And is it that part of our business, is finding out what the fear is? Until next time, don't forget to stir the cauldron. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at Midsummer Scream, Long Beach, California, walking through the floor, checking out all the cool stuff. I see this company, Graveline Tours. That's interesting enough to me. I assume there's a lot of haunted Hollywood history, a lot of evil and suspicious things have happened over the years, and these folks probably go visit things like that. Let's find out. I've got Blaze and Adam from Graveline Tours. How are you guys doing? All right, thank you. Yes, you're right. Death is everywhere. We really had to pick stops judiciously because there were so many to choose from. So many awful things have happened in this town. Over the years, you know, the seedy side of Hollywood or otherwise. So what are some of the tour packages or what are some of the things offered if you decide to go on a Graveline tour? Well, that's a great question, Drew. Uh, we actually have three tours currently in circulation. We have Death Becomes Her, which is sort of a greatest hits of L.A. crime. You have your Menendez Brothers house, uh, Janis Joplin's hotel where she was found dead. You have uh, Michael Jackson's house, the house where Bugsy Siegel was shot. You also have A Star is Torn, which is a tour that focuses on Hollywood and the dark side of fame and fortune. So Whitney Houston, we have the Peterson Automotive where Biggie was shot. You have more old classics like Natalie Wood, Sal Mineo, Lana Turner. And then our most popular tour is the Manson Family Murders. And that takes you through Charlie Manson's Los Angeles and you visit the homes where the victims were slain. And you also see some important stops along the way that are part of the story. 
So that tour is a little bit longer than the other two. The other two are two hours, and Manson Family Murders is three and a half hours. Wow. So it sounds like a, a very interesting... I assume this is not just something that happens at Halloween. This is kind of a year-round thing? Absolutely. Come any time of year and have spooky fun. <laughs> and, of course, the weather in Southern California, of course, is perfect in January and February, as it is everywhere else when they're all in the snowed in and stuff. So why not come down here and do a spooky grave tour? Do you use, like, one of those double-decker buses, or do you do you like airport shuttle buses? How do you so r- rough people around? We travel in a vintage funeral limo. Oh, my. Yeah, it fits up to eight people, eight, eight passengers, and um, it's very, very comfy. Um, you can travel around, and along the way, you'll visit different locations. You can also click through to crime scene photos, thoroughly tragic. And we will play audio clips along the way of such things as 911 calls. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just sounds fun. Do you, do you like, provide drinks or anything like that, or is this just kind of a, an educational, it's-for-the-whole-family kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Unfortunately, we don't provide food or drinks because we are very neurotic about <laughs> keeping our limos pristine oh, sure. and comfortable. Three and a half we, hours is a long time to go without snacks. Exactly. You know? So I was <laughs> just about to say we do stop on the Manson uh, Family Murders Tour at a wonderful hot dog stand, which happened to be the hot dog stand where Charlie Manson used to eat hot dogs while he waited for Sadie Atkins to finish her strip shifts across the street at the Candy Cat, and you're welcome to have a Manson dog. Of course you are. Oh, my God, that, that is so cool. <laughs> I had not heard of this before. This, this is amazing. So this works out perfect. So for people maybe coming to L.A. for, you know, general business sightseeing, whatever, and you want to do a, a really cool and what sounds like a very informative and yet dark kind of tour in a, in a really cool limo, how can people get more information with websites, social medias, and all that? So, go to graveline.rip for the website, and you can also follow us on socials as Graveline. Graveline on all the socials, uh, I assume that's... Graveline Tours. Yes, Graveline yes. Tours. yes, 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 yes. And those are like Instagram, We're on TikTok. Instagram, TikTok, we're Graveline Tours RIP, and then on... Twitter and Facebook were Graveline Tours. Excellent. Adam and Blaze, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us here on the Big Scary Show. Once again, GravelineTours.rip is the number to or the website to go for all the cool spooky. If you like the Mansons, if you like the Melendez brothers, if you like eating hot dogs where Manson and have a Manson dog, well, we won't get into that here. But it just sounds like a whole lot of fun. My name is Drew Badger for the Big Scary Show here at Midsummer Scream, and we're out. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunted attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. No one wanted to talk about it. No one would admit they had seen or heard it. The law told them to quit asking questions or leave town. Maybe folks felt if they didn't talk about the thing, it would go away. 
But these curious college boys wouldn't stay away from Black Lake. And that was a mistake. The creature from Black Lake is coming to a theater near you. A Jim McCullough production. Hi, this is Blaze Lovejoy with Graveline Sears in Hollywood. You are listening to the Big Scary Show. Silent Horror, Evil Dead on the Big Scary Show. What evil hides behind this wall? I turn the stone to a hole. Will I sneak around? I don't want to know. Strange message from long ago. With the words to raise the dead. up your show need to pump new life into old props just want to show something no one else has do what alice cooper distortions unlimited and a-list haunters all over the world do wear von Karen. durable handcrafted dependable year after year von Karen. when you scare enough to wear the very best von Karen.com. v-o-n C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Von Caron Productions. And... VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show, LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves. <laughs>